Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Jason Kong, the cast, the crew. We're back together again. Everybody's well and back. Yes. Uh, uh, you were getting on me about this earlier. I always refer to Nicole Bruno as the lovely Nicole Bruno. Uh, I'm going to have to come up with something for maybe the acceptable. Acceptable, the mediocre is actually what uh, I was looking for. That may be too much stature for you. <laughs> Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care. Nicole Bruno back, Transitions Guiding Lights. I'm so glad to be here. I know, more fun than taking care of sick kids, I would imagine. Yeah, three kids in two weeks with the flu. It's crazy this year, but luckily they had no complications, and they're all back to school, and I have my sanity back. Well, you you were doing a great service for your children, taking care of them while <laughs> yeah. they were sick. Some say you do that with Cooper and I every week, so yeah. I have a feeling you're used I, to I did check on him a few times during the show. Well, that's important. That's important. <laughs> he needs to be checked in on. Well, Cooper, uh, where, where are we going uh, with the direction of this show today? You've left it as kind of a surprise for me. It is a little bit of a surprise, but, you know, this is it's February. Mm-hmm. It's heart month. Uh, we've talked a lot about you know, what it takes to be healthy, what are some issues related to heart disease. Uh, we're going to go into some more of that later in the month. But as opposed to talking about being sick, we'd like to talk about how to stay well uh, in spite of the recent flu rash. So we brought in Joy per- Paris, uh, who is the Senior Director of Healthy Living for the Durham YMCA. She is a certified personal trainer. She's also a certified group fitness instructor and really is here to help us understand about exercise and movement and how it relates to caregiving and the care of the ones we love. Welcome to the show, Joy. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. I'm going to keep practicing your last name until I get it right. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) So, Joy, can you start off with just essentially, first, what do you do with the YMCA? And then how does that relate to really healthy living? Because you're the senior director of healthy living. Yeah, so... I get to do a lot of different things at the YMCA. Specifically, I work with the four branches that are in Durham, although we have 15 branches around the Triangle. Um, And what I do is I oversee all of our wellness programming. So we have everything from open wellness floors that have opportunity for people to come in and use cardio and strength equipment. We have um, personal trainers that work with people one-on-one. We have group classes um, that involve anything from lifting heavy weights to lifting light weights to dancing to being in the pool. There's all kinds of things that go on. So I have the opportunity to just work with all the members that walk in the door um, in a variety of different ways and planning programs for people as they come in. And is this for all age ranges? This is for all age ranges. So when we started talking about caregivers, one of the things we know is caregivers often struggle to find time for their own health. Mm -hmm. And their own health suffers dramatically because they are so focused on caring for their loved ones. Mm -hmm. There's also a component of stress management in this as well. What are some of the things that a caregiver can participate in, either at the Y or not at the YMCA, on their own, that are some of the steps toward healthy personal living? So one of the things that we just think about with every person that's coming in is, like you're saying, it's hard for everybody to find that time to take care of themselves. So if there's something that the person that you're Uh, you're caring for can participate in that maybe there's something that you can do together so if something um, is off on balance for the person that you're working with maybe you take a water aerobics class together or a chair yoga class together or something along those lines Um, we do have space that um, people can just kind of 
can be. So we have places in our lobby where you could sit and read a book or you can, you know, take that kind of quiet time. So again, if there's a space that you need somewhere to be together, that there's a spot for someone can can read a book while you're walking on the treadmill or doing something like that. If that time, um, you know, if you're right there with your with your person that you're taking care of all the time. Um, one of the things that I always talk about um, is scheduling it. So if you know that you've got it on your calendar, then you make it a priority. You know, you make it that appointment and you hold hold yourself to that appointment. And then the other thing to think about is is finding a buddy. So do you have a friend that you've maybe met through another caregiver group or something like that that you both have this goal to to work towards finding that health and wellness for yourself? Can you can you schedule that time together so you can come to the Y and, and hold each other accountable for coming? So one of the things that we often hear, we run annual caregiver summits, which are mm-hmm. large conferences each year for caregivers to come to. And one of the things that they often talk about is looking for a few minutes during their days at home. Sometimes it's just so hard for folks as they're just caregiving around the clock and taking their loved one out of the home is a monumental effort to begin mm-hmm. with. I'm going to pull on some of your personal training expertise. Yeah. What are some things that folks can do to kind of get that few minutes of exercise that they really need during the day? Because we all know that exercise really can reboot your mood and just make you feel better about yourself and really look at a situation in a more positive perspective. Absolutely. So anything that kind of gives you that movement um, that might be different from normal. So um, if it's... So not pulling somebody up out of bed. Not pulling someone (laughs) up out of bed, but maybe it's... And maybe you're up and down the stairs enough during the day. But if you you make the effort to um, set an alarm once an hour to get up and walk up and down the steps or to take a lap around your house... Um, or to do um, 10 jumping jacks or whatever it is that feels right for you. There's a you know whole host of exercises that you could do that um, even if you just take literally 30 seconds to a minute, mm-hmm. once an hour, it kind of gives you that boost, that, that, um, that push to do something a little bit more. It doesn't have to take 10 minutes an hour. It doesn't have to take an hour in and of itself, but just that little bit at a time. So if you set an alarm, mm-hmm. you probably have lots of alarms for lots of things <laughs> if you're taking care of someone. Yep. So if you set one for yourself to once an hour, you know, do that little bit of an extra thing to get up and move for yourself. Uh, one of my favorite ones is actually um, getting in and out of your chair 10 times. So we might not think of that necessarily as um, an exercise, but if you think about what um, a traditional weightlifter might think of as a squat, what you're doing is a very functional exercise is you're sitting your hips back and down just like you're sitting in a chair. Mm-hmm. So it's also a good practice functionally for life as we age and wanting to make sure that we can take care of ourselves as we get older. But practicing that standing up and sitting down, we're working through all of the muscles in our legs and our hips and in our core, um, just standing up and sitting down. So one of the things that's sort of a buzzword these days is really practicing mindfulness yeah. and being present. Do you know anything about that? I know a little bit. A little, we, enough to be dangerous? Enough to be dangerous <laughs> is a great way to put it. So we have a great instructor that works for the Durham Y. Her name is Betsy, and she actually teaches a mindfulness class for us. Um, but it is very much just about being kind of intentional and, and focused on what you're doing, about taking that time to... Um, prepare for your day or prepare for the next activity that you're doing, that it is just that pause and take a breath. Um, 
And that is just kind of at the minimum. Again, I know enough to be dangerous. I don't, I'm certainly not an expert in it. Some of the things that I've heard have been kind of interesting. You know, when you're raising small children, they often say when the kids are sort of getting out of hand, you give them a timeout, Mm -hmm. right? But as caregivers, when we're feeling like we're getting kind of out of control with our emotions or our stress levels, it's okay to take a five minute timeout yourself. And that really does a lot to reset yourself. You know, obviously make sure that the person you're caring for is safe and they're Mm -hmm. not in a position where they're going to get hurt, but just even taking a few minutes. I've heard caregivers, I mean, not that I necessarily recommend this, but shutting the door in a closet for five <laughs> minutes just to just just sit there and, you know, just take a moment in darkness and quiet and just relax. Absolutely. It's just that it is that taking that time to breathe or, you know, counting backwards from 10 or whatever it is that, you know, to get out of the emotional stress of the situation and then take a few more extra breaths to figure out how to reset um, you know, think about um, the positive things a that blessing. are going on. Something exactly. in your life that's, that you're thankful for. That's a big piece of it is, you know, what find that thing that's good to focus on and then know that you can move forward from there. So we have just a, a moment left in this segment, but mm-hmm. I'd like for us to start touching on what are some of the things that you talked about things that could be done with a loved one. Um, are there other things that can be done in the home? Because we know there's real issues for folks leaving the home. Mm-hmm. And then Are there real options for people if they do leave the home, uh, even if someone has dementia, Mm -hmm. that we can engage them in some healthy living and some exercise and things like that? And so I think we're probably going to have to touch on this and pick it up in the next segment. But can we get started on that? Sure. So um, there are plenty of things. at the why that can be done for people of all levels. So if I'm if I'm understanding your question correctly, um, you know there are things as basic as uh, most of our whys have tracks. So if you've got someone who maybe um, needs that extra help mentally or you know kind of being kept track of, but has the physical ability to go for a short walk and it's cold outside, you could come to the why and you guys could you know can walk the track together. Again, you're still in that environment right next to someone. Um, there's it's an enclosed space so that they're not going to do something that's going to hurt themselves with it and there's plenty of chairs that we keep around the track on purpose if say in case someone needs a break for things like that Um, we have machines on purpose that are seated machines so that if you can get someone settled on a machine um, and we have plenty of staff that are are around that are happy to help with this we we like to help with things like this but you can stay in that spot and kind of have that spot to be in while you're while you can go and do what you need to do. We've got Joy Paris in the studio right now, and she is the Senior Director for Healthy Living for the Durham YMCA's, and we will continue our conversation on wellness in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. The care and comfort that surrounds you. This is a service of Transitions Life Care. I am Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton alongside me this evening. And our guest is Joy Perez, and she is the Senior Director for Healthy Living for the Durham YMCA's. And we are uh, talking all about health and wellness for caregivers right now, Cooper. And we're having an interesting discussion so far, and we need to pick up right back where we left off. Right. So we want to pick up on where we had a discussion about you know, opportunities for exercise with a loved one that can incorporate getting them out of the home. Mm-hmm. But during the break, and I, for the love of me, if we could just record during the breaks, I think our audience would get more out of that than they do out of the show <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but you began to touch on some issues related to specific diseases. So I don't want us to get out of this segment without talking about that. 
But can you continue a little bit with the discussion about what options people may have when they come, really as, a, as it may be two people or three people, a family coming together, one of those people is a, a care receiver mm-hmm. and one or more of those folks are caregivers and how they may come and be part of a family who's being healthy together. Mm-hmm. So um, our evidence-based programs, which is what we started talking about over the break, is something that we have um, very specific programs and they're, they're really programmed times um, that you get enrolled in something, um, but they're often programs that we um, either offer for free through our annual campaign that our Um, come through sponsorships um, or they um, have scholarships available and things like that so that we try to keep the cost very low but we um, they work through very specific um, needs that we see in the community so um, the our biggest program that runs right now is our live strong program that is for cancer survivors Um, and so that we define survivor as um, from diagnosis on so knowing that um, both caregivers and those that are being cared for that could be the place that they're in um, that is something that uh, for most of our facilities, if you um, are caring for someone, they could come with you while you're taking this class. Or if it is your loved one that that needs this type of thing to go on, we actually encourage caregivers to come with um, loved ones to this class specifically to work through this program together. Um, we also have a program called Diabetes Prevention Program. So for those folks who are pre-diabetic, um, there is a, a time that they meet um, uh, consistently and then they have more of just kind of this uh, dialogue outside of the meeting time so it's something that can be done from home um, and then our last one sorry go ahead. so well just do they do they self-identify as pre-diabetic so, or is it a process of evaluation that may help people figure out could be a little bit of both uh, so we do have some great resources on our website that there's um there's a i believe it's um, 11 questions 11 kind of indicators and if you have i believe it's six or seven of those 11 indicators you can self-diagnose as this is what um, I've got all these things because there's some of those things that are easy to identify of I have this much you know I'm um, this much overweight or I have um, this BMI which can be easily calculated or um, you know some of those types of indicators family history and some of those kinds of things Um, your doctor can also uh, diagnose you as pre-diabetic so it's before the point of um, needing insulin or medications or things like that that we hope to kind of help treat that with um, with diet and with exercise and diet can be that scary word so it's really more nutrition and exercise how are we thinking about how we're fueling our body um, and the output that we're putting out with our with the the energy that we're using and I interrupted you, you had another You're program good. we you do moving for better balance is, an, is one that I really wanted to to make sure we got mentioned today because it's about false prevention so both for loved ones that um, are getting older and might need that care if they're past the point of, of really being able to move well it's one of those things that as you are um, caring for a loved one making sure that you're keeping your balance so that then there's not two people that need that care um, and it's a Tai Chi based program so it is not heavy crazy exertion but it's about thinking about how your body's moving in space and getting stronger within your center so that again there that fear of falling isn't there as we age and as we have to move differently or, you know, move people around. So you mentioned that these programs are evidence-based. So mm-hmm. that's, so that means you have some proof that they actually help. We do. So these programs come to us from our national organization, YMCA of the USA, mm-hmm. um, and they are all backed by the CDC. So they have had extensive research and, and piloting and things that have gone into all three of these programs. Um, and so we've got the support um you know, to, to be able to run these programs nationally. So there, you will find these programs all across the country that are run with the same protocols. 
Um, so we know that they're consistent and we know that they work. So I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about just, you know, do you join the YMCA? I mean, I don't want to make assumptions that everybody understands. How do we how do we interface with the YMCA? Yeah. Can you participate in some of these programs without being a member? Can mm-hmm. you pay by class? And how, yeah. how does all that work? So it depends on what you're looking to do. If you are looking to come and take just general classes or walk the track or get on a treadmill um, and do some things like that, we do ask that you have a membership. Um, right now, we actually have a permission going on that you can come in and get a free seven-day guest pass. That's good for seven consecutive so try days. try it before you so buy try it. Try it before you <laughs> buy it. Yep, exactly. Um, and we, we encourage people to do that, certainly. Make sure it's going to fit into your mm-hmm. lifestyle. We want you to know, you know that we're there. Um, but there is a membership fee, and it's based on who is joining. So it kind of depends on... Um, how many people from your family are joining, what ages they are, that type of thing. So there's not like a one cost. So there's discounts probably for seniors, I'm guessing. That's exactly it. There is discount for seniors. There's also financial assistance available. So knowing that income may be limited as we're taking care of other people and things like that, there is that opportunity. We don't want that to be a barrier for you to come into the Y. And this isn't one of those scary gym memberships where it seems like you can never get out of, right? Like, I mean, some of these places, they won't ever cancel it and it just goes on We don't have a contract. So Ah, we just need to know two to three weeks in advance if you know that you're not going to be able to keep going. um, And then we'll stop your draft because we do it. We do pay on a month to month basis. You don't have to pay, you know, 18 years up front to be able to keep coming, (laughs) that type of thing. Um, So we can certainly stop that draft if that is what is needed for you and your family. So what are some other little known facts about the YMCA that you think folks just don't Mm, know? Some little known facts about the YMCA. You have a famous song. Um, we have a famous song. <laughs> Cooper, are you going to sing for us? I'm actually going to pass the You're going to pass? Okay. I, yeah, I'm not going to sing for either. You don't we're really trying to encourage listenership. Oh, okay, sorry. Or, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have a song that is it, it did not come from us, but we, we have the, the, the notoriety from it as well, I believe. Um, I, I mean, a little bit about the Y and the triangle, at least. Well, the Y, and, the y started in the um, 1840s in England. Um, and came to the United States in 1851 in Boston. And it started as a way for um, for young men who were coming from um, farms um, with the Industrial Revolution that were coming into cities and um, not finding their way. It was a way for them to find community and to have people that were kind of like-minded with them um, uh, to keep themselves grounded and to be able to do service for the community and things like that. So that is how we got our start. And that's a lot of, um, while we look very different today than we did in 1851, um, there's still a lot of those uh, commonalities of things that we, you know, we really want to, to work to better ourselves and to better our community with everything that we're doing. Pretty neat. I don't think people always understand how where things started and how we got to where they are right. today. Uh, so, do you still use the the words for the acronym, or is it just YMCA now? So, um, typically, we actually just go by the Y. Um, that is how branding wise we are known at this point. Um, but we are still officially the Young Men's Christian Association. We are not just for men, and we are not just for Christians. Oh, we open because our there were an awful lot of women in there when <laughs> there I went are, yesterday. <laughs> well, our our mission is to put Christian principles into practice through programs that build a healthy spirit, mind, and body for all. And that for all piece is really important to us. It's both who's coming in the doors, um, and making sure that we're removing barriers for people that might need support to come in. 
So if folks listening want more information, they want to find their local YMCA, what's the best way they go about doing that? The best and quickest way is to go online if you have access to that, to ymcatriangle.org. That will give you all the information of everything here locally. Um, membership prices, locations, program options, all kinds of great stuff is on our website. If you find the spot that's closest to you and it's easier to go in and have a conversation, our front desk staff would love to talk to you. And being a volunteer or being a nonprofit organization, I'm guessing you look for volunteers and donations? All the time. <laughs> All the time, yes. Very good. And again, that website is ymcatriangle.org. Jay Pears, the uh, Senior Director for Healthy Living for the Durham YMCA's. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. We appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton here alongside me. And Cooper, you've brought in uh, just a, a very esteemed guest. We've got the Secretary of State, Elaine Marshall, here. Are, are we setting up an LLC? What's going on? I'm, we I'm are not setting up an LLC, but okay. we are uh, more than honored to have Madam Secretary join us uh, this evening. And I think maybe one of the first questions folks will have is, why is the Secretary of State on this radio show regarding caregivers? What does the Secretary of State's office have to do with caregiving? And there's probably nobody who can answer that better than Madam Secretary herself. That's so right. Do you, can you help us understand a little bit about the breadth of your office and then why it's relevant to caregivers? Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted to be here and uh, help the caregivers out there and the rest of the world understand the value that the Secretary of State's office provides for citizens. Uh, I think we're the most uh, under, least understood agency in state government, and I jokingly say I'm the Secretary of Stuff, because <laughs> if the General Assembly wants to keep a record of something and doesn't know where it might fit, then we get it. Uh, and that's exactly uh, the shorthand way of how we're in the advanced healthcare directory business. Our primary work is to provide uh, open, transparent records and formation of businesses. Uh, we register a lot of entities and things, mm -hmm. and we do some regulation in certain lines of work with actual law enforcement authority and prosecutors and what have you. But what we're here to talk about today, advanced healthcare directories, uh, are something that we are just a registration agent for. But we take the consumer uh, aspect of letting people know what it is, how to do it, what it doesn't do, all those kinds of things, the education aspect of this very seriously. Uh, one of our lines of work is to uh, work with seniors. We do scam jams and other senior activities all across the state every year. Now, a lot of these are focused on keeping seniors from being scammed out of their finances, uh, in getting bad contracts, just all kinds of things like this that we do with the attorney general and the postal inspector. One, one, one of the functions that the Secretary of State participates in, we do it along with the postal inspector, the attorney general, local DAs and sheriffs, is we go around the state and we have uh, lots of times we call them scam jams or give them some other titles. But we work with uh, seniors and senior care providers in helping to educate folks about how not to be tricked, duped, 
scammed, whether it's things like bad contracts for aluminum siding and roofing, or what we do, investment, because there are people trying to get into the assets of seniors uh, and scam them out of every last thing they can get. So we put a component in there also on our services to seniors, and one of those is the Advanced Healthcare Directory. But let me say, this is not limited to senior citizens only. Considering an advanced health care directory is something that everybody at any age ought to be thinking about. Uh, the reason that the Secretary of State's office has this function is because we are very good database managers. We have thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of business records that people uh, search every day. Business decisions are made every day out of little pieces of the puzzle of information that folks get from the Secretary of State's free, open 24 by 7 website, uh, sosnc.gov, sosnc.gov. Uh, so uh, the Advanced Healthcare Directory is one small component of that. Now, this is on a separate secure server, separate and apart from all of the rest of the databases that we have. That's a very important uh, factor. This is a confidential database. It is only through the use of an individual passcode can somebody get in to look at a healthcare directory or other aspects that we have in this database. So this is a, a service we can break down what we have there uh, as we go through this uh, conversation, but that is what we do with regard that would be important to care providers. And it's prominently displayed on your homepage. You gave that homepage earlier uh, for the Secretary of State's office online www.sosnc.gov. Now, let me say that as of about three weeks ago, we have a brand new website. So if folks had us bookmarked then, you will need to re-bookmark. You will, it's, a, it's a really a total workover. You can go to the quick links right away that you see there, and you can just see in that drop-down menu and bookmark any different section you want, or if you're looking up our different divisions, it's wonderful that Advanced Healthcare Directory starts with A. In A to Z, it's <laughs> the very top of the list, so it's right there, it's prominent, and you just click on and bingo, you go over to it. So what is the directory, and why would I want to use it? Why do I need to use this online directory? What this provides is the forms that you want to consider filling out. It is a way for somebody to have their voice heard, their direction given to medical providers when they're in a situation that they may not have a voice. It is important for families to know what mother and daddy's wishes are. How do they want to be care, cared for if they can't actually speak up? There are a total of four different documents that are available, again, for free, the instructions on how to fill them out are there. The only aspect is that when you file one with us for the registry, it does cost $10. Uh, we've got to sustain this database, and that's the minimum cost that we, um, that we have to charge for this. The actual documents are the health care power of attorney, the declaration of desire for a natural death. That's what people sometimes call a living will. And then the advanced instruction for mental health treatment or the organ donor or anatomical gift. You know, people know instinctively that they need a will. And you really need a will, certainly when you become an adult. People need a will when they have small children because things do happen. You want your desires 
Who's going to take care of those children? Who's going to have custody of them? It may not be controlling, because the courts have something to say about that, uh, of who is going to be able to care for your children, but it certainly is very, very instructive and given serious weight by the courts. Um, These forms that are there are the prescribed statutory forms. Because people sometimes say, can I do this myself? Well, yes, you can, because if you've got a pen and a piece of paper or a typewriter or computer, you can do it. However, there are certain requirements that hospitals and doctors are looking for. They are not going to take someone off of life support on a very flimsy (laughs) basis, Uh, you know, they are looking for the legal protection that is afforded them by having the appropriate form that has been prescribed by the North Carolina General Assembly, and in the case of the living will, that it has been signed in the appropriate way. What I'm saying with that is, is that the law in North Carolina is that it must be notarized, Mm -hmm. and that the witnesses must be disinterested. They must be kind of strangers to your family line because we don't allow somebody in the family who might benefit from the fact that you're still living or have passed on to be one of the witnesses. Uh, This has been very well thought out by our North Carolina General Assembly and the medical community together so that um, these instructions will be the very best things that the doctors can be looking at. So two things. Uh, The first um, is you don't often hear when you're having uh, caregivers and care receivers meet meet with attorneys to fill out these documents to have them registered online with your office, wondering why. And then number two, what is really the benefit of registering them? You know, does does a hospital system have the ability to access and see if somebody happens to have things listed in the event of an emergency? Well, first off, it is appropriate if you have used a lawyer for this for that to be filed with us. You don't have to exclusively use the forms. The lawyer's most likely going to be using the form, Mm -hmm. but it can be registered with us. The real key is that hospitals all are on the internet. Um, They can access these 24-7 with the password. And what we want people to do is to, this is a password you don't want to keep secret. You want to put it up on your refrigerator. You want to give it to your bridge club, your church circle, your girlfriends that come on over, your doctor, your pastor. Somebody needs to know that it's available because what happens is in a crisis and emergency, a couple of things. You're going to be under the care of a doctor that you've never heard of, not your normal family Mm -hmm. doctor probably at a specialized care unit in a hospital that you didn't even know existed. And people in a time of crisis are not thinking very, very clearly. Mm -hmm. So having that widespread out there among your family group, I'm talking family in the big sense, Mm -hmm. and, and your personal family, to know that you do have this. And that can be the starting place to go find the password. And the hospitals can access them 24 seven. And it's very, very helpful uh, to know where it's located. The Secretary of State, Elaine Marshall, is our guest right now. And again, that website, sosnc.gov, if you would like to find more information. We'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF.
News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Jason Kong, Cooper Linton, Nicole Bruno, and our esteemed guests this evening, we've got the Secretary of State, Elaine Marshall, here with us. And Cooper, we've uh, we've been talking about advanced directives, and we, we dropped some big words last segment, and so we're, we're going to sort of backtrack a little bit and sort of go over exactly everything that we're talking about, because while these are very important documents, uh, some of the names can get a, a little bit confusing, and I, I know I have trouble keeping up with it, so uh, maybe there are a few others who, who might have trouble with that as well. Well, we, we're kind of lucky this evening, because before Madam Secretary with the Secretary of State for North Carolina, she was actually a practicing attorney in North Carolina, right. and so we, we have the opportunity to actually have legal counsel with us this evening. And a lot of practical experiences. Yes. <laughs> it's a real living. Sounds good. Yeah. So what is a healthcare power of attorney and what is this declaration of natural death or living will you referenced? A healthcare power of attorney is the document that appoints and authorizes somebody else to make legal healthcare decisions for you when you are incapable of doing it yourself. Let's say you've had a stroke, let's say you've been in an accident, let's say you're in a coma, whatever the situation might be. This keeps four or five family members from squabbling bedside while precious time is wasting as to what type of medical care would be appropriate and having that decision-making happen by somebody who has the legal authority. These kinds of things help keep families together. Uh, The other one, the Declaration for a Natural Death, also uh, pastoral counselors at hospitals have told me this is the finest thing because one child will have one idea about something, another child will have another about what their parent might want. The declaration for a natural death is just that, a natural death versus keeping you alive by extraordinary means, um, whatever it might be given your appropriate situation. Uh, you also can tailor this document to your specific wishes uh, with the statutory form that has been prepared under the Bar Association and um, the Medical Association, it gives you a couple of options of things that you could choose. Uh, These are cases, you know, when there's desire situations, uh, uh, terminal disease or uh, vegetative state. I mean, we've all heard about the Terry Schiavo situation. You talk about divided families. Mm -hmm. The whole nation watched that go back and forth. Um, So the instructions on filling these out are available. Uh, The actual forms are there, or you can go to your lawyer, and those forms are perfectly acceptable in our database. And the key is that the hospitals know that this database is available, and um, once we have the passcode, we can figure out, and you can speak when you actually can't speak. So you referenced something earlier, and it may be counterintuitive for some listeners, that Here's a passcode to the online registry, and you said it needs to be available to family. It may be available to your medical providers. If these documents are so valuable, and they are, why do we want them available to everybody? If they're, if they're all that valuable, why aren't we hoarding them and protecting them? Well, time is of the essence frequently. Uh, if you put it in your bank box, they're not going to be available Saturday, Sunday. You give it to your personal doctor. Uh, you're going to be in the care of another doctor, another institution. That doctor may be on vacation. The worst place is the lawyer's office. Folks told me, keep them. Absolutely not. Uh, 
again, getting getting a hold of somebody, or people will put it in a fireproof lockbox in the back of a closet or down in the basement. Well, golly, when the time comes, where is the box? Where's the key? Or if it's a combo thing, who's got the combo? Uh, people get under stress. Not you know everybody in the close to the situation comes under stress. So having this secure but also accessible through a public facility such as we are, but on a separate secure server is very, very important. It can be pulled right up there in the hospital room. I think another thing to keep in mind, I think sometimes people feel like they have to name people to help make decisions for them that are perhaps a spouse or a brother or sister, but sometimes they may not be the best person who will truly make the decision that was your wish. Talk a little bit about that and kind of how people might be able to release some of that guilt around those issues. Well, this is where family conversations are very, very important. Uh, This time of year, we're holiday season, families get together. This is a time to talk about these things, and people are hesitant to prepare wills and other, the living will. They're hesitant to talk about this, but it is the greatest gift of conversation of love that you can have with your family. It takes a burden from all of them, and it gives them a legacy of knowing what uh, you, you want And I've seen in my own law practice families that were divided never spoke to each other, the siblings, for years and years and years because of things that happened and were said at the bedside when really the person there should have been getting the most loving care, and yet the environment around them was one filled with tension. And and I truly believe that folks can feel tension. I, I just really feel that. Um, given their various situations. So it takes that away. It's a relief for the individual who is having the medical uh, trauma, illness. It's also a relief in the long run for the family. It truly is a family blessing to do this. So in my non-radio work, I've spent a lot of time in hospice, and I just want to echo that we see families that are torn apart by these situations. And to your earlier point, At the moment that there's a crisis, that they're in the ICU or they're being transferred home on hospice, that's not always the time to have this conversation. Right. It's the the opportunity is largely missed at that point because we seem unwilling to talk about the reality of mortality years in advance, not weeks, not months. We should really be having this conversation now. If you're 35, 45, or 55 years old, let's have these conversations and I can still put those documents, fill them out, and put them on the registry. I don't have to be a senior citizen. That's right. That's right. What pleases me is that we're seeing a heightened interest by millennials uh, for the organ donation. Uh, they are interested in helping others. And many of them have the attitude, if, 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 if I don't need it anymore right. and it can help somebody else. I've been to uh, uh, donor events where donor families and recipients have been together. It's a beautiful, beautiful occasion because they're giving the gift of life. I do wonder if in the millennial group, if this isn't part of what we call the sharing economy. You know, these are the same folks who want to share a car on Uber. You know, if I don't need this kidney, how about I share it? Well, we have a long waiting list for organ transplants here in this state. uh, And uh, people believe that and know that they can give life to another. Yeah, that's that's a great, great message and a great opportunity for people. Again, that website, SOSNC.gov, is the best place for folks to find some more information about the Secretary of State. 
That's absolutely correct. SOSNC.gov. Excellent. Excellent. North Carolina Secretary of State Elaine Marshall, thank you so much for your time this evening. We really appreciate you coming on, and it's, it's always a pleasure. You're welcome. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you spending some time with us this evening. You can find more information and previous episodes at WPTF.com. That's WPTF.com in the Aging Matters section. You can also send us an email aging matters at transitionslifecare.org that's aging matters at transitionslifecare.org and we'd be happy to answer any questions or comments that you may have and if it's something that you don't want discussed on the air excuse me that uh you know we can message you directly whether it's through transitions guiding lights or transitions life care we'd be happy to assist you there again have a great evening everyone we'll do this again next saturday night at seven it's aging matters on news radio 680 wptf